Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Who was here last week? That's not just to see if you came back, but what did we talk about last week? God, thank you. Well done. All right, let's go home. Jesus, God, you got it covered. There was a question that Jesus asked his disciples. It began us last week. And it's a question we need to make sure we can always answer. And Jesus was asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they gave him the list of who people said he was. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And last week we talked about who we understand God to be changes everything about who we are the way that we live life, the way that we choose things. And we took the time to just go into the scriptures and to open up the reality of who our God is, the bigness of the God that we serve. Because far too often in our culture, in our religiousness, our Christianese, we make God very small. We put him in our pocket, we pull him out when we need him, and we put him away when we're done. But you see, the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, the God of the Bible is bigger than anything we will ever grasp in this life. And the privilege we have on this journey is he just continues to increase our understanding of who he is. Now, why am I bringing up last week? Well, first, to make sure that you were listening. To bring some of you up to date on what we talked about last week. But also, because friends, as we understand the bigness of God, the reality that he chooses to come down and have an intimate walk with every single one of us becomes all the more amazing. Because if he is the creator of the universe, the God beyond time, beyond matter, beyond, he doesn't walk around like us because he doesn't have a physical body. He's not limited by those things. He's not limited by time and space. He's the alpha, the omega. He's outside of time and spoke everything into creation. That huge, magnificent, amazing creator of everything chooses to call himself Emmanuel, God with us. He chooses every day, every moment, whether you're sleeping or you're awake, to be there, his presence with you and with me. What that should do for us is it should stir in us an awe, a greater awe and amazement of this God that we serve. Amen? Amen just simply means so be it. It means you agree. Friends, we need to let the reality of the God, his bigness and the reality of God, his intimacy break in upon us. And not pass it by like it, no big deal. We'll get there. Turn with me to John 3.16, if you would. If you won't, I'll read there anyway. This morning and even last week, we left from here, went home and rested a bit and went to our meeting. And um, I had one of the guys in our church ministering. And though I was listening to what he was preaching, God just began to almost download into me felt he had for you today. And I feel like what God wants to do with us today is just remind us to not live a salvation that is narrow and small because we don't serve a God who's narrow and small, but to live in the fullness of our salvation because too often we reduce being saved to, well, I said a prayer at church. God forgave me of my sins. Therefore I'm not going to hell and I go to church And that's pretty much the fullness of our existence as Christians. But friends, let me encourage you. And I know that we know this mentally, but let me encourage you to let it break in upon you. 
That our salvation is far bigger than a few moments. Our salvation is far bigger than a Sunday or a Bible study. Our salvation is something that Jesus died to give us so that from the point of giving our lives to him, we were not just saved out of something, we were saved into something. I love the sound of babies crying because I waited 10 years to hear my first be given to us. So moms, don't worry about it. I'll just talk louder. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. That's us that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life because Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I know that's a very familiar verse. It used to be held up often at football games and big banners and those sorts of things. But friends, we must never let familiarity rob us of the weight of what's being said there. God, the God, the creator of the universe, so loved us. The screw-ups and mistakes that we are in ourselves. The bad choices we make, the sins we do, the, the ways that we run from them. He so loved us that he sent his son to die for us. And so many people hear those things and immediately feel condemned. They feel like, yeah, but, but I've done this and I've done that. But he goes on and he says, for Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world through him. Jesus came to save wretches like us. Jesus came to redeem us. Jesus came to restore us. If we would simply receive the gift of salvation he's given us. Amen. That's good news. Should be. And I just felt this morning, God wanted to just begin to unfold more of what this salvation means. I'm just going to read a scripture to you. It's out of John 10, 9. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. But the thief, the devil comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, far too often we get in this habit, we, we go to church, we get a little bit geared up, we get excited about Jesus for a, for a time, but then we go back into life and we go to work and we go and we face the realities of the world around us. And somewhere in that, the enemy robs us of the joy of our salvation. He robs us of the fullness of what God wants us to walk in every day, every hour, every moment that we are saved by grace. Because you see, Sunday gathering like this is a time for the church to gather and to be reminded of Jesus, to be reminded of what he's done and to be given a vision for where we're going. But it's the rest of the, the time outside of these walls, friends, that counts the most for those out there that don't know him. It's the time outside of these walls when we need to lean upon him more than ever. Because in here, we're around believers. In here, we're lifting up the name of Jesus. In here, there's a safety and a sanctuary. It's out there that we can be overwhelmed and it's out there we need to lean into the fullness of this salvation all the more. I think sometimes we lose sight. We either grasp a little bit of what we've been saved out of or a little bit of what we've been saved into. So just this morning, I wrote down a couple of things and I'm going to try and track as I feel the spirit leading and the time we have. 
But first of all, when we come to Christ, and what does it mean to come to Christ? Well, we were separated from God by our sin. Adam and Eve chose to do exactly the opposite of what God told them. And because in that place they began a rebellion against God, they broke the the laws that God laid down. Sin broke in and we were separated from God. We were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And from that point on, man would always be struggling and striving to somehow be reconciled to God, but always fall short because God is perfect in every way and we're not. And God looking down upon us, not down upon us in the wrong way, but give us that picture of him looking from heaven, looked at his creation in love. And he looked upon us and his heart was broken for the fact that we were, we, his loving creation had been separated from him by our own choices. And he said, I have to make a way because there's no way they can do it on their own. And he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus, as we know, walked the earth. He raised up disciples and he taught people about coming into that place with God. And when the time came, Jesus laid down his life for us. It wasn't the guards that held him. It wasn't chains that held him. It wasn't nails that held him. It was Jesus saying, this is what I came to do. Even the guards mocked him and said, if you're a king, then send the angels and have them come get you. But Jesus knew what he had come to do. He had come to pay the price for us. And when they nailed Jesus upon the cross, it wasn't ropes that held him on there. It was his love for us that said, this has to be done. And when they put him up and the nails sunk in and he sank and his body was held up by those nails. It wasn't the nails, it wasn't the soldiers that held him. It was his love and his understanding that someone had to pay the price. And he chose to be that someone, the only one who could pay the price in full. And when Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because all the sin of all of us and all of mankind fell upon the perfect Savior who had never known sin, who had never walked in sin and had never been separated from the Father. For the first time in history, God had to turn his his eyes away from his Son. And Jesus gave up his life for us. And when he died upon that cross, what he did is he took our sin to the grave with him. His blood was shed, as we sang earlier, to wash away our sin. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, giving us not just the death of sin, but the resurrection of the life to come. And when we believe in what Jesus has done, when we say, Lord, I need a Savior, I need to be saved, forgive me of my sins, Jesus. And Jesus, I've led my life and I know the disaster it is. I want you to be Lord of my life now. That is the beginning of salvation. We often throw out there, I'm saved, but we don't know exactly what that means. And most people outside of the church don't know what they're being saved from or being saved into. But that in its essence is the beginning of our salvation, but not the end of it. Because you see, when Jesus paid that price and we accepted it, one of the first things we were given is we were basically taken from the clutches of hell and brought into the promise of heaven. Because the truth is, and even though the world hates it, even though the church often ignores it, what is destined for those who reject Jesus and what he's done is an eternity apart from God in a place called hell. 
And it is not a nice place. It is not a party. You will not hang out with friends there. It is a place of eternal pain and torment that never ends because it is in that place that people must pay the price for their own sin because they refuse to let Jesus pay it for them. And many people say, well, how could a loving God send someone to hell? He didn't. The loving God sent his son so that no one would have to go. We choose whether we go to heaven or we go to hell. And I know that's a heavy thing, but friends, it must be the reality we are struck with if we're going to say I'm saved from one thing and into another. We are saved from eternity apart from God in torment into eternity with God in heaven with a new body. No more dying, no more pain, no more suffering, no more fear. We will dwell with God and we will worship him for a thousand years and the time will have just begun. The joy I have is we've had, we had a friend who was a, um, our pastor when we first got saved and came on board with us and I had the privilege of leading him until God took him home two years ago. This man's name was Jesse Mason and he served his entire life. He, he was a football player and got saved at Rice University. He was uh, God just got a hold of him and as he got older, he battled cancer and God healed him of different things. And, but physically he struggled and he ended up losing his life by falling and hitting his head. And we had a week of being able to say goodbye before he just went home with God. But you see the joy I have, the joy, as I said, at his memorial and honored him with his wife was that I know where he is. And I know that he doesn't have that old body anymore that doesn't work. He has a new body. And he is in heaven without pain. He's not worried about us. He's not worried because he's focused on Jesus forevermore. Friends, we are saved from an eternity in hell for an eternity in heaven. As I said earlier, sin has separated us from God. But when we come to salvation, we are saved from being alienated from God into being restored and reconciled to God. God's intention for man was for us to dwell with him. God's intention for man in the Garden of Eden was for he and Adam and Eve to talk. God came in the cool of the day to walk and to talk and to meet with Adam. And instead of finding Adam and Eve looking forward to that, he found them in the midst of sin. But you see, Jesus came so that through salvation, we who have been separated from God by our sin could be reconciled and restored to the almighty God. What does that mean? That means every day, every moment, you can stop and just realize you are in the presence of God. You can come to Him. You can talk with Him. You can listen to Him. You can sit in the Father's lap and pour out your heart to Him. And He hears. And you have the, the, the ability to bring a restored relationship between you and the one who created you. Friends, we have the greatest privilege the world has never known. We get to walk in a relationship with the creator of the universe. People get excited if the president came in, whether you like him or not, if he came, people would be honored. If a star came in, people would get excited and want his autograph. You get to hang out with a God who created both of them and everything anytime you want to by the grace and the salvation of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the thing about him is he doesn't want us to come and to hang out outside and look in and feel unsure. Friends, we have been reconciled. Our sin has been removed. We have been made justified before God. In other words, we don't come in with all of our tattered messes and our sins on us. We come before God through Jesus just as if we have never, ever, ever sinned. 
And so many of us, we, we are afraid to come to God. We feel like I, I earned it today. I didn't earn it today. You didn't earn it at all. It was given by the grace of Jesus. And if you're walking in the fullness of your salvation, that condemnation, that weight of guilt should be off of you. And some of you are living in a life robbed of the joy of your salvation because you carry around the weight and the burdens of your past and even your decisions today. But friends, in Christ, you are made justified just as if you had never, ever, ever sinned. God says He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. So we come to God and we're like, well, God, I'm so sorry that I I did those things 10 years ago and I'm sorry I was that. And as we finish our long speech, the Father, forgive me just for being a little picturesque, but the Father, as we finish, kind of says, well, you done? I I think so. I I think I've listed off all my problems, my faults. Father looks and says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see any of those things. We need to understand that we stand before God. And I think I mentioned this last week, not on parole, waiting, God waiting for us to fail and our checking in with our parole. Well, I did, I did the best I could God. And I'm sorry. I screwed up here and there. Oh, you're going back in in jail. We're not on parole. We are set free. Our, Our record is wiped clean. There is nothing there to say that's who we were. Because friends, in Christ, we are saved from being the old person to being a brand new creation. We are given a brand new start when we come to Christ. And every morning it is renewed as we bring our sins and our struggles before our almighty God who forgives us in the name of Jesus. Amen? There's a world out there weighed down with its guilt and its condemnation and they can barely get themselves off the ground. And you ask them, hey, come to church. And they say, why would I want to go to church? I feel bad enough already. Where did they get that from? I believe they get it from us because too often we fail to walk in the fullness of our salvation. Don't carry your sins anymore. Jesus died to forgive them, lay them at his feet. Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, lay your burdens down. And he'll put his upon us. And his burden is not overwhelming. It won't destroy us. It is a a calling to tell the world about Jesus. But you see, as long as we're strapped down by the weight of condemnation and guilt and sin, the world's looking at us going, I already feel that way. And I don't feel guilty as you do because I'm not worried about God. Some of you here today need to let condemnation go. What is condemned? You feel condemned. You're constantly saying, yeah, but I was this and I did this and I went there, but who am I? And I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to ever got because I was friends in Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. You are brand new. You are given a new start. The scriptures also say that the giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. God doesn't take away what he has for us because we failed for the first 20 years. He holds what he has for us until we come to Jesus Christ and give our lives to him. And then he says, I've been holding this for you. And you begin the journey that he created you for. Amen. Now, Boogie said I could speak into this on the second week. I've noticed that you're very quiet. And you've probably noticed I'm not. Now, I just want to encourage you. Part of when a preacher preaches, and Boogie will enjoy this, is just that you're, you're with me. doesn't mean you have to amp me up and shout amens because it's some charismatic thing to do. But it's okay to respond. 
It's okay to say amen or yes or thank you or something to God. It just means that we're walking this thing out together. Last week, you guys looked like you had gotten off of a jet plane. I know I have that effect sometimes. So I'm hoping today will be a little bit more of a, of a you receiving and God pouring into you. So don't be afraid to respond. Don't be afraid to give God glory when something hits you where it should. That good babe, is that safe? Is Boogie going to be mad at me? Well, wouldn't be the first time. Friends, we also, in salvation, we go from being an enemy of the cross to being sons and daughters of God. I remember running around out there and and being as stupid as stupid could be, drinking and partying and drugs and everything else and rebelling. And Christians used to come and try and talk to me and I'd threaten them and chase them away. Because I hated that religious stuff. I had been around the church. I had been in churches. My mom was a musician and I sang in choirs as a kid. And I saw some of the behind the scenes. And I saw a pastor scream at his secretary and cuss and then go out and act holy. And I thought, that's, a, that's ridiculous. Why do I want to do that? And I found myself on the opposite place. I knew there was a God, but all I knew of the church, I wanted nothing to do with. And so I fought and I rebelled. And every rule you gave me, I found a way to break it. But you see, in Christ, when we come to salvation, we go from being enemies of the cross to realizing it's not Jesus that had offended me. It wasn't Jesus that was a hypocrite. Jesus saved me. And he took me, a child abandoned by his parents, and made me not only saved, but made me a son in his house. And I don't know everyone's background in here, and I I hope that most of you had a wonderful upbringing with great parents, and you know your moms and dads. But for the world we live in, the idea of a father and a family is a scary thing. People want to belong to a family. They want to believe in it, but they're terrified of what they've seen. Well, let me assure you, the God that we serve is a good father. He is a loving father. And his desire in our salvation is not that we then become church members, but we become sons and daughters of his Because though there are days we look in the mirror and we say, I don't like who I see. He looks at us every day and says, she's mine. He's mine. And you may have days again where you feel like I don't deserve it. We don't. But he still claims us as his own. He said over Jesus, again, before Jesus began any written uh, ministry, this is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased. We need to begin our journey of salvation, not on what we're going to do for God, but on the foundation that we are his sons and daughters who he loves and died for and in in whom he's well pleased. Too often we start a foundation of trying to earn God's love. You can't. He gives it freely. We try and earn God's grace and earn God's privilege and earn God's blessings. You can't. He gives them freely. And we need to walk in the freedom that I am a son or a daughter of God. It doesn't make us arrogant. It should humble us. But it should fill us with an incredible joy and confidence and excitement to tell others. For me, not having a family, being called a son is a big deal. He calls us from a place of carrying around the weight weight of our sins and the guilt that goes with us to a place of freedom and forgiveness. And I shared some of that. But again, today and every day, friends, we need to allow the salvation that Jesus gave us to set us free from sin and its power. Some of you are probably held bondage by the same sins you were before Christ. Well, let me encourage you. Let me challenge you that, friends, you're not meant to be. 
Because in Christ, you are given a strength, you are filled with His Spirit to overcome those, the power of those sins. It means if you struggle with one thing, it doesn't mean it goes away instantly. Most of the time it doesn't. But God will bring you on a journey of working that through and setting you completely free from it. And if you struggle with an addiction in here, or you struggle with a, an area of sin in your life, trust God that when you came to Christ, you were set free from its power. And there is a devil that will tell you again and again, you're not free. You're not free. You'll never be free. But let me tell you, Jesus came and set you free. And if you will learn to trust him and walk in that freedom, you will find yourself far down the road looking back going, that's where that sin died. And look at what God's done with me now. Amen. There are some wonderful people out there who stand up week after week and say, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic. And it was 40 years ago. Well, let me tell you, if they came to Christ, they're no longer an alcoholic because that died at the cross and they were born again and made new. And some of you here need to walk in that brand new life of freedom. Why do I always battle time? I don't know what that is. Our salvation, friends, takes us from being from having a life, to be honest, of very little significance. Because apart from God, even if we leave endowments and we make money and we put our name on buildings and we give billions away, we're going to be forgotten at some point. And so no, no matter how significant things, we could be a movie star and people could look at movies of us for years, but at some point we're going to be forgotten in this life. But you see, when we come to Christ, God delivers us from a life of little meaning, a, a life of meaning that's just like a vapor on this earth into a life that can make a difference into eternity. And every single one of you here, every single one of us in Christ is called by God, saved to change the world that we live in, to make a difference, not just for now, but for eternity. And the enemy wants to rob us of that, that we just say, well, I'm a Christian and I go to church and I do my bit. But friends, you are far more than that. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You are filled with His Spirit. You are a brand new creation. You are created by God, knit together in your mother's womb. You're not a mistake in any way. God made you the way you are for the purpose He created you for. And we as God's people, as God's children, need to understand that desperately. I poured into my two little boys. Boys, you were made to change the world. You were made to be godly men and godly husbands. And you were made to impact and change this world. And one of my sons, he will break any box you try and put him in. He will swear that square peg must go in that round hole. You can discipline him. You can take it away. He'll find another one and try and put it in. He refuses to give in to the, the lines. But to me, if... If we just continue to trust God and keep speaking over him the things, he is going to change this world, whether it likes it or not, and he's going to change it for the kingdom of God. You and I were created for those same things. Our salvation is not to go through life and do our job. The gifts you have, the place you work, God put you there. God made you to be there. God gave you the gifts so your ministry can be in that place. Some of you think the only people that count for the kingdom are the ones that get up here and talk. If that's the way it is, we're not going to get very far. You and I, walking in the calling God has given us, are in our salvation going to change this world. Businessmen, you're going to change the, the face of business. Teachers, you're going to change the face of the next generations. Parents, moms who stay at home and people try and demean that, you are shaping the generations to come for the king and his kingdom. 
In salvation, friends, there is so much more. Something to get out of bed every morning and spring up and go, God, what do you have for this day? Amen? That little, little girl back there, made to change the world. We look at kids and we go, oh, sweet, amen. God looks at you and goes, yes, amen. I really don't know why I ever write notes. I never get through them. We're going to take a time to do communion. I just, uh, just want to make sure we cover everything God has. Let me share one more thing with us. I'll be quick. The scriptures remind us in Romans 8 that the spirit of God, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us when we come to Christ. In other words, when you give your life to Christ, God's spirit comes and lives in you. Not a spirit, his spirit. And it's not just he comes and lives in you so you play nice. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and in me when we come to Christ. What that means is it's no longer us trying to make things happen. It is the spirit of God and all of his power and all of his authority and all of his presence dwelling in you and in me out there. So it means in our salvation, friends, we can have faith for, believe for, and trust to see when someone is sick, we pray for them in the name of Jesus and we see people healed of cancers and diseases. We pray for marriages and see them reconciled. We pray for circumstances in our nation. We pray against wars. We pray for these things that are bigger than us because the spirit that raised a dead man, a dead son of God from the grave and gave us all eternal life, friends, he lives in us. And we, God's people, to live in the fullness of our salvation, need to know that and walk in that. And he doesn't do it so we talk a little funny or act. He does it so that we go from this place knowing that God is not only with us, he is with us. He is in us. He's speaking. He's moving. He will work through us in ways that will blow our minds if we will give him simply the room of faith to move through us. Why is that important? Because, friends, people are dying all around us of cancer and diseases and sicknesses. Divorce is going crazy. People are, San Clemente alone has young people committing suicide at a rate they've never seen before. People need the power of God through his people being spoken, being prayed, being released, and being seen. And it's us living in the fullness of our salvation that will bring that to pass. My trust this morning is that you'll be encouraged to trust God for more. My prayer today for this time is that you'll let these things not just hit you here, but change the very bigness of your faith. And my trust is that as we get to come back and visit you guys, we'll hear stories of God using you out there, people being changed, lives being changed, whole communities being changed because you heard today what God has for us all and you began to, to just go after God more and more and more. Amen? Y'all with me?